Hello and welcome to the Pilgrim Way. My name is Norman Graham and I'm a minister in the Baptist Union of Churches in Scotland. The aim of these signposts is to try to help to connect the text of the Bible with our everyday lives. Um, today I want to read from Psalm 23. Uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, I don't think I would need to do a survey to discover what most people's favourite psalm is, for there's little doubt that Psalm 23 would be the likely winner of, uh, of that poll. It is certainly one of the most familiar and the most beloved of all the psalms, indeed one of the most beloved portions of the Bible. It's often preached on and there are countless books written about it and songs based on it. And yet our fondness and familiarity with the text make it difficult to read it as though for the first time or to glean new truths from its depths. When we read it, we read it through the lens of what we already know and love about it. It's difficult to avoid just seeing what we've already seen before. So I doubt that there's much that I can say uh, to you that you haven't already heard before. And yet we keep coming back to this psalm. The first verse of the psalm is almost a summary of the whole psalm, with verses 2 to 4 describing the various ways in which the Lord acts as David's shepherd. And it's that theme of God as our shepherd that I would like us to consider today in this signpost. In the First Testament, when the term shepherd is used in relation to God, it is normally used to describe an aspect of God's relationship to his people. A relationship that is expressed in the tasks and functions of a shepherd. The idea of God as shepherd is one that is widely expressed throughout the whole of scripture. For example, in Genesis 48 verses 15 to 16, we read of the patriarch Jacob blessing the sons of Joseph, saying, May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked faithfully, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has delivered me from all harm, may he bless these boys. Jacob could think of no greater blessing for his grandchildren than that they would know the experience of the presence of God as the shepherd in as their shepherd in life. The theme of God as the shepherd of his people also flows throughout the Psalms, of course. For example, not just the Psalm we've read, but also Psalm 74, 78, uh, Psalm 80, they all use that uh, shepherd imagery. And then Isaiah 40 and 11 tells us that God tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs into his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Jeremiah uses the image several times. For example, Jeremiah 17 and 16, God declares that despite the rebellion and idolatry of the people, he has not run from being their shepherd. In 31 verse 10, he says that although he scattered them in judgment, he'll also gather them and watch over them like a shepherd. Then Ezekiel 34, <coughs> excuse me, 
In Ezekiel 34 and 12, God says, As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. And Ezekiel goes on to speak of providing them with pasture, tending and feeding them. In fact, the Hebrew word for shepherd is a, a participle of the verb to feed. And so one uh, shepherd has noted that feeding the sheep is the central task of, uh, of the shepherd. The minor prophets speak of God's people as his flock, the people of his pasture, his sheep. The people of God are often referred to as defenceless sheep get, uh, readily getting lost and need, needing their shepherd to search for them gathering them back when they scatter, lest they become food for wild animals. In fact, in the First Testament, references to God as shepherd are too numerous to even mention today in the time that we have to share in this psalm. Unlike the other First Testament titles of God, like king or rock or shield, which are all metaphors used by the psalmist to describe God, Shepherd is immediately personal because the shepherd lives with the sheep and meets all the needs of the flock as guide, physician and protector. Although I think it's also true that in calling the Lord his shepherd, David is in effect acknowledging the Lord's kingship over him because the kings in the First Testament were also described as the shepherds and saviour of the people. Christians are perhaps most familiar with the shepherd imagery from the Gospel of John, chapter 10, which is entirely based on the First Testament concept of God as shepherd, and where in verse 7 Jesus declares himself to be both the gate for the sheep and the good shepherd. We should note that Jesus didn't make that reference randomly. For a start, his audience were, like him, steeped in the Hebrew Scriptures, what we would call the First Testament. The imagery of the shepherd was immediately familiar to them, not simply as an occupation, but also in its religious symbolism. Jesus' audience immediately understood that by describing himself as both good and shepherd, Jesus was identifying himself with God, who alone is good and who alone is the shepherd of Israel. Equally disturbing for them would have been his repeated claim, which he makes four times, that the function of the good shepherd is to lay down his life for the sheep. And if we had any doubts about how clearly they understood what Jesus was actually claiming uh, for himself, John tells us in verse 19 that these, uh, at these words some accused him of being demon-possessed and later in the chapter they accuse him of blasphemy. <coughs> I think it's interesting that Jesus doesn't say that the good shepherd dies for the sheep, but rather that he lays down his life for them. There's a great difference between the two things. Jesus is saying that as the good shepherd, he offers himself as a voluntary sacrifice for the sheep. Furthermore, he relates this action to the will of the Father. Accordingly, the Apostle Paul says of him, being found in appearance as man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. But Jesus' death was a Trinitarian act. He is active in his own death. He lays down his life willingly in accordance with the will of the Father. And as the writer of the Hebrews tells us, it was through the eternal spirit that Jesus offered himself unblemished to God. 
in calling himself the Good Shepherd, then Jesus identifies himself as the God of the covenant who sacrificially gives himself for the sheep. <clears throat> Another image of Jesus as the shepherd is found in the letter of Hebrews, but it uses the term shepherd in a slightly different way, though it reaffirms both the deity of Jesus and his sacrificial action on our behalf. It's found in Hebrews 13 verses 20 and 21. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. It's one of those texts that manages somehow to encapsulate the whole gospel in a very short, simple, concise form. As we can see, if we look at it through the lens of a kind of question and response formula. God is the God of peace, raises the question. In what way is he the God of peace? Well, he's the God of peace because he has made peace. But how has he made peace? He's made peace through the blood of the eternal covenant. That covenant that comes through the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep, shedding his own blood on the cross. Once again, Jesus is affirmed and identified as the shepherd and as the God of the covenant. And we might well wonder what difference there is between the two titles he has thus far given as, been given as the good shepherd and the great shepherd. The leading characteristic of the good shepherd is that he lays down his life for the sheep. Whereas the leading characteristic of the great shepherd is that he takes up his life again. It's perhaps stating the obvious that a dead shepherd is no good to the flock. Fortunately for the flock of God, death could not hold him and the grave had to release him. He is the great shepherd because he has triumphed over sin and death. In fact, as the Puritan preacher John Owen put it, the death of Christ means the death of death itself. He is the great shepherd because he did what no other shepherd could do. For he reconciled us to God through the blood of the eternal covenant. Psalm 23 hints at this, of course, with its imagery of the valley of the shadow of death. The sheep needed the shepherd to guide them through that dark and dangerous place. But Jesus has entered fully into that darkness for us, to lead us onward, to lead the way, so that we will have no fear of following where he has gone. Just as he rose as the great shepherd, so too, he promises, we, his flock, will also be raised. That death is not the final word in our story. Hebrews was written to a church that was facing severe persecution to, and to encourage them to hold fast uh, to the truths of the gospel and remain faithful. And to do so, they would need to hold on to the truth that their shepherd was not only the good shepherd, but also the great shepherd who would lead them through those dark times and out the other side. The Apostle Peter was also writing to a church that was living through tough times. In 1 Peter 4, he told them not to be surprised at the fiery trial they were going through. He reminded them that our faith has to be tested and that God is in control of all things. His message was essentially the same as that of the writer to the Hebrews. He calls them to be faithful under trial. And if they remain faithful, he tells them what will happen or what will happen. 
In 1 Peter 5 he says, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So the leading characteristic of the good shepherd is that he lays down his life for the sheep. The leading characteristic of the great shepherd is that he takes up his life again. And the leading characteristic of the chief shepherd is that he gives a crown of glory that will never fade. The immediate context of the verse is an exhortation to the elders of the church, the leaders of the church, to act as shepherds towards the flock of God. The idea being that they are under shepherds, appointed by the chief shepherd. As the chief shepherd, Jesus has the authority to give a crown of glory. And the image of the crown should probably not be taken too literally here, but rather it refers perhaps more to the glory of being accepted by God. And I think this echoes the final verse of Psalm 23, for it speaks of the ultimate fulfilment of all the promises of God, a welcome at his table and living in the glory of his presence uh, forever and ever. The Lord Jesus is the good, the great, and the chief shepherd. And all three aspects of his shepherding are expressed somehow within this psalm. It's often noted in, in preaching on this psalm that the word my speaks to the need for each person to come into a personal relationship with God as his or her shepherd. But in fact, the personal aspect of this relationship comes even before that in the very name of God. The first two words of the psalm could easily be taken as a title, like the king, for example. But the Lord here is not a title, it's a name. And a name speaks of a person, and a person speaks of relationship. The name that David uses here is Yahweh. It's the name associated with the God as the God of the covenant. The God who's in relationship with the people of the covenant. And therefore, the name expresses the intimacy of that relationship. If the Bible tells us nothing else about God, it tells us that he is by very nature relational. In fact, our understanding of God as Trinity expresses that central truth. For the Father, Son and Holy Spirit live in a perfect relationship of mutuality, mutuality and constantly relating to and with one another in perfect and eternal harmony without hierarchy or division. The personal nature of God is further confirmed in this opening line for us and with every word shepherd. Shepherds were, in a sense, in a relationship with the flock. They lived with the flock. They met all the needs of the flock as guide, physician and protector. In John 10, speaking of himself as the good shepherd, Jesus says that he knows the flock and they know him and they know his voice. In fact, we can only come to know God as our shepherd through Jesus, the good shepherd. God is a relational God. And David drives home that truth in the opening verses of the psalm. And we should also note that in calling the Lord his shepherd, David is also in effect acknowledging the Lord's kingly rule over him. For the kings of the First Testament, as I say, were described as the shepherds and saviour of the people a role that Jesus fulfills completely. God is not distant, far off and uncaring, but present and loving, like a shepherd who holds the lambs close to his heart. Psalm 23 used to be a popular psalm sung at funerals. 
but sadly many of the people who sang it perhaps looking for some comfort from it had no relationship with the shepherd of whom it speaks it's only when we know Jesus as the good shepherd that we can know him as the great and chief shepherd you know we're living through tough times and it doesn't look like things are going to get any better anytime soon however we can be strengthened and encouraged to know that we have a good and great shepherd the chief shepherd who will lead us through these tough times through the darkest of valleys and on into his eternal glory thanks for listening if you find these signposts helpful please click the subscribe button thank you <laughs>